This is no ordinary pod. No ordinary pod. The NFL season begins today. This is no ordinary pod. Cha-cha. No ordinary pod. Last week was Christmas, Christmas to you. This week is Christmas to me. The NFL season officially begins. That was Noah Hemer welcome you, welcome, welcoming you once again with rendition of an ordinary pod. And I am your host, my, I'm your other host, Michael Duggar. I, I was, I don't know why I was keep messing that up. But Noah, how are you doing on the the day the NFL begins, uh, September fifth at seven fifty five a.m. Um, I'm kind of thankful that I have a long, busy day because I get rewarded with some NFL football uh, later this evening. So I'm doing really well. The only thing is I wish I was on Mountain Standard Time um, so that I could watch the game at 6.20, be done with the game by, I don't know, 10.45, 11, and then just kind of hop into bed then at a good, reasonable time. But might be up a little later than I would like to be, but hey, it's, it's football's on, you know, can't argue with that. Are you going to be going to sleep at like halfway through the, the late Monday night game this coming up week? Oh, probably. Oh, dang. Uh, there's probably no way I can stay up for that. I'll try. I'm going to try, but I don't think it's going to be possible. Yeah, I mean the Monday, the early game in that slate is the good one anyway. But we're not here to talk about those NFL games. We're here to talk about the NFC North and. The opening game of the season. The NFL's 100th season. They're making a big deal about it, which is why they have the oldest rivalry in the sport between the Chicago Bears and the Green Bay Packers kicking off the season. But before we do that, yesterday's episode, we forgot a couple things we just want to acknowledge. We did not acknowledge Jalen Hurts. I will talk about Jalen Hurts in Oklahoma on the, tomorrow's episode. And uh, the other thing is we did not acknowledge that Jared Goff re-signed a, con- re-signed a deal with the Los Angeles Rams. He signed a four-year, $134 million extension for $110 million guaranteed. That's an NFL record. And we talked briefly yesterday when it comes to Dak that the market's going to get reset. The market has now been reset once again because Carson Wentz signed a four-year deal with $105 million guaranteed. Golf got five more million. Now it's up to people like Dak and other and other players on short contracts or coming to the end of their contracts to prove themselves at the quarterback position, maybe get one of these deals. But we're going to transition to one one quarterback who submitted himself, another quarterback who could be do one of these massive extensions in the near future, and that is between the Green Bay Packers and Chicago Bears. So before we – we're going to kind of preview these two teams as we talk about the game tonight because they're in the same division. I think they're – one, this game features one of the team I'm picking come out of the NFC North. I'm not sure with you, but we have the Green Bay Packers at the Chicago Bears kicking off on, I think, NBC Sport, NBC, and at 8.25 p.m. It was, they're going to have a giant celebration for the NFL 100, I assume. All the good stuff. But in the end of it, we get a rematch of last year's Week 1 game. They swapped opening locations, and now... <clears throat> A healthy Rodgers with Matt LaFleur takes on a Vic Fangio-less Chuck Pagano-led Chicago Bears defense with Matt Nagy and Mitchell Trubisky still running the offense. So, Noah, what are your thoughts on this? First off, what do you think the spread is for for this game? Uh, it's in Chicago, so three and a half Chicago favorites. You can get Chicago. Yeah, Chicago is currently a three-point favorite, which means they are virtually even with the three-point home bump. How do you think tonight's going to play um, play play out? It's just I'm curious to see what happens with Aaron Rodgers versus this defense. You know, he finally has first year without Mike McCarthy, um, and that's 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 big. You know, he had a lot of headbutting with Mike McCarthy in terms of his receivers didn't know, do I run Mike McCarthy's plays? Do I run Aaron Rodgers' plays? Do I run McCarthy's routes? Do I want the routes that my quarterback wants me to run? And it was conflicting because, okay, if I run the routes Rodgers wants me to run, I'll get the ball. If I, But if I run those routes, then I might get benched. So 
it's it's going to be nice to see a Green Bay team that doesn't have that issue, hopefully. I think the run game for the Packers is going to be better, but I don't know if it'll be better against this Bears defense. Um, the thing that scares me about this Bears defense is that they not gave away, but lost safety Adrian Amos to the Packers secondary, and they have to replace him. And replacing him, let me see, let me see. They have, nope, I'm on the wrong roster. Um, You're talking about the Bears? They replaced yeah. with Ha-Ha Dix. That's who they replaced? Mm-hmm. Hmm. Interesting. I don't know how to feel about that. So they got Ha-Ha Dix and then Eddie Jackson next to each other? Yep. See, I just, Adrian Amos was just out of Penn State. I think he's like a fourth or fifth round guy that just started day one for them. Um, he was on the same team as Allen Robinson, and I just think that's a bigger loss than people are estimating. I thought Eddie Jackson made more splash plays as the safety, but I thought Adrian Amos was more of the, he was the in the box safety, rolling down into it, essentially playing as another linebacker that has wheels. Ha ha Clinton Dix has kind of bounced back and forth from teams, and I just think that's a slight downgrade to their defense. I don't know how much that's going to matter with all the talent that they have, particularly in the front seven. But I think the biggest matchup in this game is not even, I don't think this game even comes down to Packers O versus Bear D. I think it comes down to Bears O versus Packers D. And the Packers, the reason that I'm high on the Packers and people are high on the Packers is the money that they spent on their defense. They bring in Preston Smith from Washington, Zadarius Smith from Baltimore. You mentioned Adrian Amos from Chicago. The starting safety next to him is a rookie, Darnell Savage. So this, there's a lot of, they lose Mike Daniels. There's a lot of new faces on this team, on this defense, but that's a good thing because their defense was not good outside of their secondary. And the middle of the, and Mike Daniels, but he's obviously gone. So they revamped their pass rush. And it's interesting you say that the Packers D versus Green Bay versus Chicago offense, because I was looking at it the other way, where the Packers offense has a new puppet master in Matt LaFleur versus Chicago's new defensive puppet master in Chuck Pagano. So it's an old, stable head coach against a young guy, and Matt LaFleur is 39 years old, coaching a 35-year-old Aaron Rodgers. And you mentioned the more run-centric offense. Tennessee Titans last year, where LaFleur was offense coordinator, ran the ball the second most percentage of any team in the NFL, 51% of the time. You go all the way down to that list, the Green Bay Packers were 31st in that list at 34.2%. So is that a... Is that a personnel thing where LeFleur realized, you know, he couldn't throw the ball well with, he couldn't throw the ball a lot with Mariota and that offense and stuff like that. Is Do you think that it's going to be 45% run heavy for the Packers or do you think it's going to be middle of the road, like 42% and it's just one of those takes the defense gives you because you have this, this weapon in Aaron Rodgers, you should utilize him. On the other hand, you have Aaron Jones, who came on really strong at the end and has been really productive when he's been healthy in the lineup and utilized fully as a feature back. I think we're just going to see them run the ball. Just in, I mean, watching the Packers last year, you're pretty much saying, all right, where's Aaron throwing the ball here? Because like you said, they didn't really run the football. They really didn't have any reason to run the football. But now they have Aaron Jones. They have the offensive line to be able to establish the run. Um to be able to just get the run game going. And I think to be able to beat this Bears defense, you're going to have to beg those safeties to come down farther and farther to be able to hit them on a Devontae Adams or an MVS deep ball um, just to kind of see what happens. I think uh, I'm really interested to see what Aaron Rodgers can do with the run game. It's never – when was the last time Aaron Rodgers had a run game? Eddie Lacy's one big year. That's a good question. Let me Google it real quick. Because that aspect of the balance that, you know, we talked about a lot of, about it last year, about football balance, and people say it has to be run-pass balance. Not, I don't think so. I think it needs to be a balance in which you're play-calling. You can throw the ball every single play, but 
are your diversity of passing of what your of your pass routes and the place that you're calling are they are they balanced are you getting short crossers with deep intermediate uh crossers and outside throws and corner routes and then are you taking shots deep downfield down the sideline or deep posts over the middle you know and and keeping defenses knowing where is the ball going and then okay they finally have all that protected Aaron Rodgers still has wheels Aaron Jones can catch the ball out of the backfield and make plays with on checkdowns so it's going to be interesting to see how they transition from being pretty much all pass to Maybe more middle of the ground, maybe 60-40 pass run, maybe 50-50. Maybe but what kind of balance is that going to bring to Aaron Rodgers' game? Is that going to make him a more efficient passer? Is that going to make his volume slightly lower, but the rate of what you're watching is even more incredible than what we have witnessed in the past? This is – go ahead. Do you think that – I just want to look at the rushing stats. They've – ironically, they have averaged over 100, 100 yards per game rushing every season since 2011, which is the year after they won the Super Bowl. The Packers have? Yeah, they've averaged at least 100 rushing yards per game. They've been over 1,600 rushing yards for a total. I don't know if that's including playoffs or not, but according to NFL.com, I think it's regular – yeah, it's regular season. So – they had twenty. They had almost twenty two hundred rushing yards as a team in twenty thirteen too. I don't know if that was Eddie Lacy or not, but do you think that we're going to? Because Matt Lafleur comes from the the Kyle Shanahan, Mike Shanahan coaching tree in Washington and Atlanta. That's how. That's there was a guy. Like I said, there's a great article about all of them, and. Was it Zach Taylor or Matt LaFleur? I think it was LaFleur. I hope it, I hope it was LaFleur because everyone comes from the McVay thing. So are we going to see, do you think that LaFleur can show Rodgers enough? It's crazy we have to talk about this. We have to talk about the coach having to adapt to Rodgers a little bit like that and vice versa. But do you think that LaFleur will be able to keep Rodgers within the structure of like, you know, hey, it's a five-step drop. This is a timing route. It'll be schemed open. Or do you think that LaFleur is still going to have let Rodgers be, not the gunslinger he is, but make him, now that he's healthy, knock on wood, uh, roll out of the pocket and make his plays when stuff breaks down? Because that's where a lot of Rodgers' damage comes from is when him and Devon, it's the scramble drill. We always constantly saw it with Devontae Adams and Jordy Nelson and and. All these players that have been saying Randall Cobb, that's how they beat the Bears last year, is Rodgers scrambling to his left and then throwing across his shoulder to Cobb, who breaks a couple tackles and is, and is free for a 60-75-yard touchdown. So do you think we're, think we're going to see Rodgers not being forced, but playing within an offense and playing within a structure of one? I don't know exactly which way it's going to go, but what I hope to see is kind of, kind of a balance of both i hope to see a lot of timing routes and five-step drops where you're just gonna take the fifth step throw the ball just to kind of see what the defense is going to do and i think you're going to have to with this pass rush against the bears i think you have to have some timing routes that are just going to be hey this is going to be open because scrambling isn't always going to be the easiest thing for this against this team to do He's miraculously fought back and won the game last year on a sprained MCL. You know, he was hobbling on one leg and he was still slinging the ball. But I hope to see kind of a balance. I think at some point, you know, maybe they start the game and they're like, hey, this is what we're going to do. Just kind of get the game started. Just get the juices flowing, all that. See how the defense is going to react to what we want to do. Make adjustments. And then I hope instead of it being, hey, Aaron, this is what we're going to do. I hope it's a, hey, Aaron, what do you want to do? Or what do you think of this? And I hope it's a collaborative effort. It didn't seem, to me, it always seemed as if Rodgers and McCarthy butted heads because McCarthy was, it's my way or the highway. And that's what Aaron Rodgers didn't want. You know, he's best quarterback, best QB talent in the league. Let him do what he thinks is best, but also work with him to maybe his maybe his thinking is not ideal here, and you build off something that he thinks into getting something that might be even better. 
but it doesn't have to be his original plan. McCarthy seemed, I don't know, I don't know, it's hard to say, but it seemed as if he was prideful in the sense that he wanted it, like I said, he wanted it his way. So hopefully Lafleur, Lafleur is smart enough to realize what he has at quarterback, and I think he is, as being a younger guy, to kind of work with Aaron rather than just be like this way or your way. I hope it's more of the mesh. But I think to start the game, especially against this pass rush, it will be a lot of timing stuff. I'm looking at, speaking of the run game, I think a lot a lot of things that people have been exciting about, excited about with the Packers is seeing Rodgers in play action because the Titans were fifth, yeah, tied for fifth in the NFL in play action right last year. Play action percentage on 29% of their pass plays. Packers were all the way in 32nd, 31st, 30th, 29th, 28th, 27th in play action pass percentage themselves. And we, like we said, we haven't seen a very strong Aaron Rodgers run game in a couple years. And we'll see if Aaron Jones can get, can get unleashed. Another thing is, is that the Packers have, I mean, you and I love trench battles, and this is as good as it gets in the trench battles. We have Tennessee Titans are coming in. I mean, Tennessee Titans, still, still talking about Lafleur's past. We have the Green Bay Packers coming in at number seven in Brandon Thorne's offensive line rankings. Return four or five starters, including David Bakhtari and Brian Beluga, probably the two best tackle, ten, the, the two best, the best tackle tandem in the NFL. And they're going against the Bears' Up um, front seven, which is ridiculous. Akeem Hicks, Eddie Goldman, Nicholas Palau, Khalil Mack, Dan Trevathan, Roquan Smith, Leonard Floyd. It's ridiculous. And we talk about this defense except a lot. This D line versus this front. It's gonna be it's gonna be awesome because we're gonna see if Rodgers and Lafleur can get the can be quick and get the ball out of their hands and see how they and see what plan of action they have to attack the best defense in the league last year. Because there is no true weakness. Because if you try to sit back and throw them apart, you have to deal with that secondary and those ball hawks, and you have to face that pass rush. And they had the number one run defense in the NFL last year. So it's a lot. It's pick your poison with Chicago. We'll see how they, how Chuck Pagano lines up. I read a story in the Chicago Tribune. Can't speak right now. Where Chuck Pagano ran is going to run a lot more man. It's going to be an aggressive pass rush. We'll see. We'll see how Prince of Mukamura and Kyle Fuller can hold up Buster Scott in the slot, all those things. Uh, but, yeah, you all, I didn't mean to completely pivot from the conversation, but you said you were excited for the Bears' offense versus the Packers' defense. So explain – go ahead. It's – I just think that's what the game is going to come down to mm. because I think Bears' defense is going to get theirs, but you're ignorant to think that Aaron Rodgers isn't going to get his, especially week one. That's that's where I lie. So I think both teams, when the Packers have the ball, both sides of the both sides of the ball, both units are going to get theirs. Bears defense are going to make some plays, get some sacks. Aaron Rodgers is going to make some ridiculous throws, ridiculous plays, get his. But I think the game in terms of winning and losing is going to come down to this Packers D versus this Bears O. Can Trubisky take the next step? Can he be, or will he continue to be what I relate to as? the Blake Bortles of the NFC. Awesome defense, can run the ball, can move, like literally the quarterback can run the ball. Like Bortles tore defenses up with his feet. Can Trubisky throw, the, get the ball in the air to his receivers against this Packers D? I think the Bears have a better front seven. I don't think anyone's going to argue that. But I think the Packers may have a more talented secondary. So it's a, it's the tale between are you going to can't I think the I think the Packers are going to be able to blitz a lot more and still stay home in coverage because a you're blitzing and Mitch Trubisky's throwing the ball their receivers aren't Allen Robinson is the scariest receiver but if you're running if you're blitzing five and you got six back in coverage and you kind of even just give him a slight attention. I loved I love the secondary of the Packers. Adrian Amos. Darnell Savage was probably my favorite safety coming out of college this year. You have Jair Alexander and you still have um what's his name? Kevin King. 
who was a second round pick out of Washington, I believe. And he was one of the headliners of that Washington team that got smoked by Bama. But he was one of the few limelights of that Washington team during that game. That's why if the Packers D can generate any type of pass rush and disrupt Trubisky, I have a feeling like fantasy wise, I think the Packers D could outscore the Bears D tonight because I think Trubisky's in more of a position to make mistakes than Aaron Rodgers. I haven't, there were no reports, not that, you know, precinct reports are this and that until like, it doesn't really matter until they strap it up and we see on week one. But I think Trubisky has, a, has the ability to make more mistakes and this Packers D is loaded to, to play off of those mistakes and capitalize them and get points on the other end. So this game comes down to Trubisky. Can he get the ball to his receivers? Can he make the right reads? Can he beat this Packers D? If Trubisky has a good game tonight, it, this this Bears win by Bears win by nine or ten. I feel like that's a great outlook for both. That's a great that's the that's the question mark leading into both teams' season as a whole. Where the Rodgers, it's for the Packers side of things, it's the Rodgers Lafleur uh, partnership. But it's really down. Can those defensive signings make an impact? Can them finally splashing out the cash on some defensive help? Can that make that? Can that bring the Packers over to the next level? And in Chicago, if the def- the Bears defense is going is going to regress, that turnover margin is not going to be that high. Their sack rate could probably could probably be the same, but they're going to regress a little bit. Can their offense pick up for that regression? Yours is, you're, I actually you brought up you brought up Bortles with Trubisky. I think Trubisky's better than Bortles has ever been. I think Trubisky oh, last year was better than Bortles has ever been. I, I know you're I, not comparing. Them I, like yeah, that. I agree. I just think that Jacksonville and Bortles, it has in my mind, I associate them themselves dominant D subpar quarterback, dominant D subpar quarterback. Mm. Trubisky has time to prove himself. Yeah, and he's playing behind. Uh, Offensive line that's bringing all five players back. They're they're pretty. They're really good on the interior. Their tackles are their uh their right tackles are big weakness. Sorry, I misread that. Um, so Trubisky's gonna have a good O line. He's gonna have a a good run game now with David Montgomery, our guy. Isn't funny? People love talking about the Josh Jacobs of the world, and then you and I just kept talking about three guys all offseason. Four running backs all offseason. Justice Hill, who I've pretty much gotten every single draft, fantasy draft, and I think he's going to be Baltimore's number one. Daryl Henderson, Memphis. Hopefully he can get some roles. He's with the Los Angeles Rams. Devin Singletary, who's now the starter in Buffalo, and David Montgomery, who is now the starter in Chicago and is drawing rave reviews of everything with his elusiveness, ability to break tackles, all that stuff. So I'm massively excited for the Bears backfield of Montgomery, Tariq Cohen, and we'll see if Mike. It's a little bit of Mike Davis sprinkled in there. Mike Davis is like the guy you pick up on Madden, where you're upset about, and then you play a couple games with him, and you realize, oh man, this guy's really fast, and he breaks tackles, and he can catch. So I know it's not Madden, but Mike Davis is a pretty decent third option out of your backfield. Allen Robinson, a year in the offense, a full year recovered from his ACL surgery. Looking for big things from him. You love Anthony Miller. I love Taylor Gabriel from Atlanta. Cordo Patterson. Like, this offense is, is, there's talent. Trey Burton in and out of the injury. You know, that's typical what it is. But you have Adam Shaheen. So, I am really like the talent on this Bears offense. I'm just not convinced about Trubisky yet. And I think that's the, that's the thing, the, the summary of the season for me. Is that I'm not sold on Trubisky. And looking at their schedule... I see. I, I mean, I've, do you have anything else to add about tonight's game? Do you think you think if Trubisky plays, if Trubisky's decent or good, Bears should win comfortably? But how much are you willing to not bet? But how much are you willing to sit, think that Trubisky will play well tonight? This is what I think it comes down to for the Bears' offense. I think they might still be jinxed cursed bad juju whatever you want to call it in their special teams and their kicking 
if Trubisky can't score touchdowns, and this comes down to field goals, if the Packers can shut down in the red, shut them down in the red, let them drive down the field, but they can lock it down in the red zone. This Packers will win this game if they if this is a field goal battle. I like Green Bay more. I think if Green Bay is not punting the ball much and they're trying and they're getting points almost on every possession, which isn't gonna happen. But if they're scoring more often than not, even if it's three, because I think they're going to have the chance to be playing with plus field position because of the mistakes that Trubisky can make. I don't know. I don't think Trubisky's going to be ready for this Green Bay D. I think Aaron Rodgers, after coming off just not a great year for the Packers. You know, they had the McCarthy firing before the end of the season. They were just, you know... Like, we're done with this era. I like that more than a def- a team just led by a defense and a quarterback that neither of us are convinced on. So it sounds like you're leaning Green Bay tonight. I am. I mean, I'm leaning Green Bay tonight. I'm leaning Green Bay for the division. I think this defense, I don't think... When was the last time Aaron Rodgers had a solid defense? Like a like this first year that they don't have Clay Matthews. Mm-hmm. Is that a good thing? I think so. I I think I'm interested to see the, the both. This is it's just an interesting game, and it's a great way to kick off the season. I'm leaning Packers just because of Rodgers, and I think that you know last year we saw we saw the Bears come out in the first half with such a beautifully scripted. Cup first first half. Matt Nagy was phenomenal with Trubisky with timing routes, ga- not gadget plays, but trick plays in terms of just rubbing routes. Like just certain, just certain plays that we were not expecting to see that we didn't think Trubisky had in his skill set. We just saw them being made in the Packers. Just fit co- good coaching on the fly. Matt Nagy ran out of his scripted plays, and Rodgers just sat there in shotgun and just p- just picked apart slowly but surely. Um, honestly, the Packers schedule concerns me just a little bit because we're getting into the schedule things. So we previewed the game. We previewed both teams pretty, pretty in-depthly, pretty quickly, pretty much comparing them hand-in-hand hand because I feel like we think they're going to be the top two teams in this division. I'm still unsold. I still have one day to figure it out. But they start at Chicago. They host Minnesota. They host Denver. Then they host Philly at Dallas, host Detroit. On a Monday night, they host Oakland. They travel to Kansas City, travel to the Chargers, so it's going to be a home game. Host Carolina, bye week at San Francisco, at Giants, host Redskins, host Bears, at Vikings, at Lions. There is an opportunity where this team goes on a tear in the middle of the season. That's what that's that's what I'm honestly counting on. But that those opening games are kind of tough, man. You go. You have two very difficult division games. Same thing as last year. Last year they hosted Chicago and then went to and then hosted Minnesota, which is I don't know why of all teams they get they get Chicago Minnesota start the season. But does that schedule concern you at all? I haven't looked. I haven't gone game for game with Chicago's yet. But I mean yes, but when I compare it to Chicago's, not as much because Chicago has and the the nice thing for Chicago instead of getting the Eagles um in the early season they get the Redskins but they still got to play the Eagles um they get the Saints um they still have the Cowboys they still have the Chiefs they have the Giants um they still got to play the Broncos I just believe you know Aaron Rod this is how I kind of look at it Aaron Rodgers is too good, and, and maybe this is a fault of mine because, like, Dan Marino never won one. But I feel like Aaron Rodgers is too good of a quarterback, has too good of a team this year in particular to not be in a Super Bowl contention. Just like when I think – when I try to have – think in retrospect, you know, we're looking at this 10 years from now, and we look back at Aaron Rodgers his first year without Mike McCarthy, I'm thinking – there, he's got to win another bowl. He, 
he's too good not to win another one. Like Tom Brady's won what six now? Aaron Rodgers has won one. I I'm not saying he's not going to get to six. Obviously, there's not going to be another quarterback coach tandem that's going to do what Belichick and Brady have done. But I think Aaron Rodgers is due another one, and I don't think I don't I think if it's just it's tough to say against this Bears D, but in most games I like the Packers, and in a lot of games for the Bears, if the team has a above average offensive line, which a lot of the teams on like, for example, the Bears are going to destroy the Chargers, but the Bears versus the Rams, the Bears versus the Cowboys, the Bears versus the Chiefs, the Bears versus the Vikings, the Bears versus the Eagles, the Bears versus the Saints, if those if those teams can score 25 points, that's a wrap. Oh, man. I know that pains you to say because you were a big Bears guy last year. Before they even made the Khalil Mack trade, you were big on the Bears. Um, But, yeah, but all three – the thing about the NFC North, why it's so competitive and difficult, why you get a bunch of answers about all three different teams, is because – all three are very talented, and all three also have over-under win totals of nine. So, first glance, I feel like we're going Green Bay over, Chicago under, or Chicago push. I'd say push. Because that game, two in Denver is not a guarantee. You don't think Vic Fangio knows everything about that offense and everything about Trubisky and that defense? Exactly. Exactly. So I see three and three, four and three, four and four, five and five. I see them. I could see. I see Naya. Man, these games were. They they have a tough closing. Man, they go. They end the season with. I think at Detroit's a tough game. At Detroit, host host Dallas, whose ground game is going to travel. At Green Bay, on a long week, which means they play Thursday night against Dallas. If my math's correct. Yeah, they do. They play Thanksgiving at Detroit, Dallas the following Thursday, at Green Bay, host Kansas City, at Minnesota. That's a tough way to end the season. And so I didn't hear, did you say over, under, push for the Chicago? Push for Chicago. Nine wins. All right. And we'll see if they make the wild card spot tomorrow. But all right, that is going to do it for those two teams. Let's move on to in that game it's gonna be a good game so it's football's back too so let's move on to the rest of the division and hey man we finally get to talk about our man we finally get to talk about Kirk Cousins and the Minnesota Vikings man I can it's just you're I can see how excited you are to talk about this team uh yeah I have this is this is the biggest one of the biggest question marks in the NFL for me because if the Gary Kubiak offense, and he's the advisor, who's the offense coordinator? Who's this is going to bother me? For Minnesota? Yes. Kevin Stefanski. Yes, and they went very run heavy towards the end of last season. But you know who's for- on that Vikings staff now, right? Yeah, Gary Kubiak. Okay. Yeah, so they're going to the full, full outside zone run scheme, which is music to my ears as a Dalvin Cook fantasy owner and a Dalvin Cook supporter from Florida State and stuff like that. But he is going to be phenomenal in that. You saw the 85-yard touchdown. It's just a one-cut system. It's kind of like it's what he ran at FSU so easily where the offensive line may not be great, but you get athletic guys in space and you have a running back who can read and make and plant his foot and make one cut, you're going to be fine, which is what Dalvin Cook is. And his offense, offensive line, they, they spend a lot of capital on their offensive line to move up to number 22 in Brandon Thorne's rankings. So they had the worst unit last year, which honestly, it didn't... We give Kirk Cousins a lot of slack. That did not help Kirk Cousins' season, but it still can't trust Kirk over here. So I think this offensive line is going to take a little step forward. They bring in... They draft Garrett Bradbury as a center. We nailed that pick. He's from NC State, right? Yeah. So... We have him. The thing thing about upgrading the center is, like, 
Yeah, you can upgrade your left tackle and your pass protection on the backside, assuming you got a right-armed quarterback, is going to be better. And you may not get as many sacks. You know, having a solid left tackle, I saw on Twitter say yesterday someone related it to having a $155 million house and having fire insurance. That's what that's what having a left tackle is. Um, <laughs> which I was like, that's true. Like, it's the difference between winning and losing some games just based off sacks. Mm-hmm. But upgrading the center position, especially with Gary Kubiak coming in, you get smarter across the board when you upgrade a center. Look at what happened to... Um, where, where did, what is his name? Um, man, I cannot remember. Are you talking, do you know the team name? I want to say it was the Saints, maybe. They got, they grabbed a center, one of the better centers in the league. Um, they got Max Unger a couple years ago. The Falcons got Falcons. Alex Alex Mack. That's who I'm talking about. They got Alex Mack from a terrible Cleveland team. And that upgraded, that catapulted their Kyle Shanahan year and making their Super Bowl run. Obviously, you know, they, you blow a 27-3 to 3 lead. You don't really deserve to win the Super Bowl. But that was the cornerstone, in my opinion, of their progression for their offensive line. You upgrade and get the best center in college football, and centers have to be smart. they got to be able to think in between the ears because they're the ones typically making all the line calls, doing, you know, getting people on the same page so that the line can protect either for the run scheme or for the pass protection scheme. They also kick Pat Elfine out to guard, who was the old center. So not only do you have a center, at a true center at center, you have a center mind at guard who is only going to make him better at guard because he understands what's happening at the center position. So that's, I'm excited for the run game. The thing that concerns me with the Vikings offense, though, and it'll be the same concern we have every year as the health of Stephon Diggs. And what happened? Because after after Stephon and Adam Thielen, who are you throwing the ball to? They only kept four receivers. They kept four receivers, and then they signed Josh Doxson. This is going to be a two-tight-end set offense a lot of the times, which I'm a fan of because Kyle Rudolph is still good, but I love Irv Smith Jr. from Alabama. And the other thing is Diggs already has a hamstring pull, correct? Yes, I saw that. So yesterday, it's it's going to be a lot of Thielen for to start the season, and I th- so you said it comes down to Diggs, Stephon Diggs' health. I think it comes down to Kirk Cousins, as always. It's the can't trust Kirk mantra. It's it's going. This is this is it. You have a re- they invested in your. This is the Vikings going all in. They invest in their offensive line draft draft what capital. They. Sign Thielen to an extension. Their digs is due his ex- is getting his extension. Kirk, you have two years left. Dalvin has two years left himself, plus his fifth year team. I think it's uh, two years left as well. So this is their two year window to get it done, and this is probably their best year to to get it done because Trubisky's coming along. Rodgers then will have a year with Lafleur, and the way the Packers have been drafting lately, you would think that they're going to keep improving their defense. And keep and they're gonna get and he's gonna get more comfortable with the with the young receivers around him. Marquez Valscanting, Geronimo Allison, Jake Kudrow, etc. And those players like that. So can can this offense get done right now? And the stat that I just realized is, you would think the Vikings, who have a terrible O line and have a, a solid defense, would want to run the ball more. They were 29th in run pass split last year. Meaning they ran the ball the 29th least amount of times. That's with Dalvin Cook and Mike Boone and other players in the mix. When you have a bad offensive line. That is bad. I You can see why DeFlippio is now in Jacksonville, not in Minnesota now. Because that's just not it's not how you utilize this team to its best skill set. Just if I'm being honest. And now we're going to see the complete um, inverse of that. We're going to be seeing this team run the ball a lot. And I think that's going to help everyone involved because we've seen Kirk Cousins in every single interview he's given this summer has talked about play action, how he's effective off play action, how the numbers point to you being, how about quarterbacks being more efficient and successful when running play action. And his offense is going to incorporate a lot of that. So Cousins, the thing now is that 
the cousins the cousins slander not slander, the cousins bit which is not really a bit because we we believe it is going to go it's going to be solidified this year if he can't get it done this year it's done at it then everything we say that can't trust kirk is is true and we're not rooting against kirk because we love the vikings personally speaking i've loved the vikings they were the the coolest football team i ever watched in my life with Randy Moss, Cunningham, Culpepper, Chris Carter, Robert Smith, that whole gang. And now Adrian just, Peterson. Yes, Adrian Pe- even going up through the years, Adrian Peterson, Dante Culpepper. It's just something I love the purple. It's just it's just the purple gets me in. And we I legit think that this is a Super Bowl contending team if Kirk Cousins can elevate his play. And Kirk, if you get it done, this this is everything is set up for you to succeed this year. Everything. Can you get it done? It remains to be seen. I think let me let me ask you this. Alex Smith or Kirk Cousins? Alex Smith in like his Chiefs days. Oh, Alex San Smith. Fran- that's okay. that's, I'm not even hesitating. You- Alex Smith will be will will go down as one of the most underrated quarterbacks ever. Do you think that Kirk Cousins can get to an Alex Smith level in terms of if they let him be, you know, because like you said, they ran the ball the 27th least amount of time. So that means they were throwing the ball all over God's creation. 29th, dude. They ran the ball. They ran the ball less than Tampa. They ran the ball less than than Tampa. I almost dropped an F-bomb right there. Tampa had Peyton Barber and was down in every single game. And the Vikings still ran the ball less with Dalvin Cook. <laughs> wow. Okay, so let me ask you this. If, let's say, the Vikings get to more the 14-15 range and Kirk Cousins becomes less the gunslinger that he wanted to be because of his contract and tries to be less like Aaron Rodgers and is more towards the... Alex Smith spectrum, maybe the Jared Goffs. Ah, Jared Goff throws the ball a lot. Um, even even I know he better. He's not as good as Russell Wilson, but even like the Russell Wilson, you know, they they run the ball the most. You know, mm-hmm. if he can get more to that game manager type where he's not asked to do everything, do you think he can get this team to the playoffs? Oh, definitely. My honestly, I'm not. This is going to sound backwards. I'm not even really concerned about their offense that much. I think they're still going to. I think they're going to be able to put up twenty, about twenty four points every game. I don't think this defense is as good as it used to be. I don't think. I think their front four is still solid. I think Anthony Barr, who had that whole contract dispute situation where he agreed to go to the Jets and ended up coming back to Minnesota. I think he's I think he's still talented. The secondary concerns you, man. Trey Waynes is not good. Mike Hughes I think is already injured and he's not that good. Xavier Rhodes has lost a step. Very clearly lost a step. Harrison Smith is still one of my favorite safeties in football. Still one of the best safeties in football. Can he make up for can he cover he can cover half the field. Can he cover the whole field to make up for everyone who's gonna be running behind them? So it's gonna put a lot more pressure on Daniel Hunter, Everson Griffin, Linval Joseph, Anthony Barr when he pass rushes to get pressure. I don't know if they can generate enough pressure. And I don't and I and I know Mike Zimmer is a genius. But people started to catch on to him. People are starting to figure not figure out, but they're starting to understand that, you know, he does he does the dis- disguise blitz where he'll have seven guys all standing up at the line of scrimmage. And then a couple of them will drop back in coverage. I think the league's starting to catch up that little bit. Which is why I think that they're transitioning more to a run run based offense. It helps the defense and it help it puts Cousins in his best situation to succeed. But do you have any thoughts about this defense? I mean it's the names are familiar. I just don't know if the talent is up to par with the names that we're used to seeing. I don't know how many people know this, um, but no teams truly play their base defense most of the game. Um, so if a team runs up, says they run a 4-3, they're typically going to be in a 4-2-5 because they'll have four down linemen, two linebackers, and in instead of having that third linebacker, they'll go to nickel. So a lot of teams run nickel either at a 3-4, 3-3-5, or 4-2-5, pretty much is how it goes. Um, 
can their nickel back be better? And I'm hoping that it's Marcus Epps, rookie. He's the listed as the safety behind Harrison Smith, but he played a lot as the box safety and the nickel rover guy at Wyoming. So maybe he will be able to amplify what this defense can do, at least in the middle. You, he can tackle because he's a bigger dude. He's like 6'4", 215, 220. Um, so... But other than that, I'm just curious for what's gonna happen. Like, like you said, what's gonna happen with the secondary? This deep, this front four is stacked uh, with Daniel Hunter, Linval Joseph, Jaleel Johnson behind him as a stud. You have Everson Griffin on the other side. They they have the depth and the pass rushing ability, and maybe they're gonna scheme up some blitzes to try to get some of these guys to, to try to get to the quarterback quicker. But I'm with you. I think. I love teams that love to run the ball and then play good defense. And if you can run the ball and sh- pretty much shorten the amount of time that the defense is on the field, like why why did FSU lose this weekend? Because their defense was on the field for 106 plays in 98 degree weather at Tallahassee. I'm it's not gonna. I'm not gonna get into the. It's the. Pl- I feel like the play snap is a big deal. Is the are we overrating the heat a little bit, man? We're not overrating it, but it it's not. Just think of it like this: you got your full energy bar, you know, on the left. Your energy bar just decreases so much faster in the heat. Both teams are doing it, but at what rate? If Florida State's on the field for 106 snaps, theirs is going to go down much faster than a Boise team that's on the field for 80 snaps. Yeah, I get that. You know, it's and, and, mm-hmm. and not only that, physically, who cares? You know, it's not about that. Mentally, it's exhausting because you're telling yourself, oh, I'm tired. Oh, I'm hot. Oh, I can't do this. Oh, we can't get off the field. And then offense throws three pass plays and then doesn't get off the f- – and then is goes three and out. Mm-hmm. And then you go, oh, my God, I have to go back out? Yeah. I'm a, I'm mentally gassed. It's not the physical part of it. It's the mental aspect of it. And particularly, like, a Florida State team obviously showed they're not mentally sound and mentally strong enough to persevere through their own home heat. Very well. I was I was just I was just I've been, I've been hearing the heat make like the hydration levels and stuff like that, and it just comical is not the right word. It's just I don't know. I feel like every, they're just trying to find everyone's just trying to find someone to blame and some reason to blame for no reason. It's but, funny because on the practice fields they have a sign that says "blame no one." Oh yeah, it, it says it on those cups, the stadium cups they sell. Blame no one. Lethal simplicity. Do something. All these things. Well, maybe do something is. You drink water. They even told me that as a little kid for football games. Make sure you drink your water the night before games, all that stuff. But I'm not going to get into that. Um, you have any other point to make about the Vikings? They're kicking. They also went through a kicking conundrum themselves, settled on Dan Bailey, former Cowboys kicker. Uh, I'll, just, I'll just shout out my guy, Amir Abdullah. He's got the uh, return specialist. As the third, uh, he's listed as the third running back, but he's also listed at the top of punt returns and kick returns. He's fun to watch with the ball in his hand, so I'm excited to see what he can do. Yeah, it was fun to watch in 2010. <laughs> why, why are you bagging? Why are you bagging? The Lions haven't had a good run game till this year, till this past year. <laughs> was it because of Amir Abdullah? <laughs> oh man, I'm just messing with you. I uh, appreciate let- that. Let's get into their schedule real quick. They start the season hosting the Atlanta Falcons, which I think is a phenomenal game. Um, and they travel to Green Bay, host Oakland, travel to Chicago, travel to the Giants, host Philadelphia, at Detroit, host Washington on a Thursday night game. That's going to definitely not watch that game. At the Chiefs, at the Cowboys host the Broncos at Seattle, host uh, Detroit at the Chargers, host the Packers, host the Bears. Their over-under is also nine. I feel a push in this one, personally speaking. I would agree. 
So you have the Bears and the Vikings at nine wins. Love it. So, I mean, this, this is going to be a great division. And a team that pe- some people are talking a little bit about, some people are not. And you're not going to find a, b- a bigger champion for this team than me. Am I going to pick them to make the playoffs? It's a great question. But I... It's the same thing with the Vikings. I just love these uniforms, man. That light blue just gets me in. I love Stafford. I just love their skill position players. That's the Detroit Lions, man. I they they had a they had a pretty good offseason, man. And all things considered, the talent they added on offense and defense, it's 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 pretty great, man. I feel like I honestly feel like they're flying under the radar. To the point where their win to oh, their win total for the season is six and a half, and before even taking a look at that schedule, I will, would I'm taking the over because offensively you bring in T.J. Hawkinson. Stafford's never had a tight end like that. I watched one drive of the Lions. Hawkinson had like three catches on it, and he's so good with it. He's so good. He's just see. Hawkinson just does everything well. You bring in Danny Amendola, who in that same possession, I, in the same thing I watched, he dropped the pass. But beside the point, you have a slot guy now. Yet to go to pair with those two phenomenal perimeter players, you also have all offensive line that returns four or five, four or five players. Frank Ragnow had an injury scare, but he's he's healthy now. He's practicing this week for this game against the Cardinals. So they have a solid offensive line. Talent, talent on the outside. Carry on Johnson, and I mean, carry on Johnson's a bell cow now. And if not him, yes, Eugene Anderson, who showed he can get it done in multiple places. <coughs> Ty Johnson's a skillful, is an athletic guy. They've signed J.D. McKissick from Seattle, who can make some plays in the pass catching game. So, what? I didn't realize that Josh Johnson caught is the backup quarterback to Matthew Stafford. I know. Thank God it's not Jake. What's the dude from old Iowa's quarterback? Jake Rudock. Yeah. Thank God he's finally gone. Um, but Darren Bevel is the offense coordinator, former Seattle offense coordinator, and it's weird because all, everything we're hearing out of Detroit from the offensive side of things is they're going to be more run heavy. I don't see that. I see Carry On getting his twenty to twenty five touches a game. But you drafted T.J. Hawkinson and brought in Danny Amendola for what purpose then? To help the middle of the field. And you're going to want to throw the ball. And I feel like Matt Stafford always does the opposite of what we expect him to do. Last year we expected him to be like a top 15 quarterback in terms of fantasy. And he wasn't. He was, They just were just terrible offensively. I feel like a new offensive coordinator. He has a new sense of life. I recommend everyone reading that article by Kevin Clark on The Ringer. Which he talks about his life and stuff. Pretty, it's a pretty candid interview. He just seems to be at a good place, despite his wife going through cancer and getting a tumor removed and all that stuff. So, thought, always thoughts up to them. I'm just, I just have a lot of good vibes around Detroit, and I always have good vibes around Detroit. So, Noah, tell me why I should, why or why I should not have these good vibes about Detroit. Offensively, sorry, because defensively we'll get to in a second. Offensively speaking, um, I don't know. I really like this offense. I just don't know if they have the firepower to get it done. We've never seen Matthew, Matthew Stafford can sling the ball around, but we haven't seen him get it done in crunch time. I think he's better without Calvin Johnson because he just crutched. He just used Calvin Johnson. I think Calvin Johnson being with Matthew Stafford being with Calvin Johnson early in his career made Matthew Stafford's ceiling come down because whenever you're in trouble, they would like just start to Calvin, bro. And it didn't make him a better quarterback, but it still got the job done. But he has gone, in my opinion, gotten better and better and better every year without him. Can Kenny DeGalladay not necessarily take the next step, but continue his success? Can Marvin Jones stay healthy enough for them to have that two receiver tandem? And, does Danny Amendola still have the quicks, the quickness in the slot? I think the run game is going to be there. I think they're going to run a lot of two tight end sets with Jesse James and Hawkinson. The reason why I love Iowa tight ends is because Iowa produces great offensive linemen and defensive linemen, and 
tight ends are essentially just offensive, either offensive linemen in denial or offensive linemen that can catch. That's how I look at it. Because you can turn tight ends into offensive linemen if you were just be like, hey, bulk up 60 pounds. Mm-hmm. Which is not necessarily easy to do, but they could do it as professional athletes. He has the blocking ability of a lineman. So, I think Kirion's going to have a, pr- a... I think he's going to have a nice year. I just don't know... I think this is a nice roster, but I don't know if this is necessarily a winning roster. I, th- I can't really attest to why. Their offensive lines... What does Brandon Thorne have them ranked as? He has them at 17, despite having at least two first-round picks on the top of Taylor Decker and Frank Ragnow. And I don't know if Graham Glasgow and Rick Wagner were. Um, Glasgow was a third-round pick in 2016. Yes. I mean, this this there's a lot of potential, and to they're gonna put they're gonna they, if they can. This Lions team is so unpredictable to me. I have no idea where to go with it. I have no idea. They could win the. They could easily win the division. Well, last let's let's look to their defense. I feel like their defense is going to be their strength. And we saw last year when they when they got Damon Harrison from Snacks from the Giants, they became the NFL's toughest run defense. Six yards per carry to three point five yards per carry. He's still there. They signed Trey Flowers from the New England Patriots. They get Mike Daniels from the Green Bay Packers. They still have a Sean Robinson and Deshaun Hand. So you are not going to run on them. And they're also, uh, and I, their secondary is on the fence. It's, it's a solid secondary. Darius Slay, Quandre Diggs. Those are not big names, but they're, they're well-known and they're solid players. Can justice can Justin Coleman, Tracy Walker, can all these, Rashawn Melvin, can all these guys make up for, the just make up for just can they take a step forward i'm count people think matt patricia is a terrible coach i am on the fence about it because i'm not going to judge a guy with inept defensive talent in his first season as a head coach i'm not going to judge him on that and he has a new offense with them so i'm just the detroit there's two probably two games on sunday that i am most glued to that I'm just like, the, the, these two games will decide how I view this season to go. It's the Atlanta-Minnesota game, and it's Detroit-Arizona. And it's not Detroit-Arizona in terms of, oh, these two teams are going to have a major impact on the Super Bowl. If Detroit comes out, and yes, it's a rookie quarterback, new scheme, all that stuff, but if they can go out there and get like a nice double-digit win over Arizona, I don't know if it's going to happen. I think that will set the tone for them. I think that will realize because that is the complete, that is the complete opposite of every team they're going to face. But they're not going to face a team that's going to that can expose their weaknesses in their secondary and their linebackers and coverage, like Arizona will probably do so in their air raid and their spread. So if they can, t- if they can slow down that, this I think I think they're that's going to give them confidence. That's going to give them say, hey, you know what, secondary, you guys just made a lot of plays in space defensive line you dominated a you dominated your matchup in a matchup you were supposed to win over Arizona that's going to give him confidence personally that's just my thought process and the problem with this is that this that I see not blinders but I just have such a glass half full view of Detroit and yeah sometimes last year I was crazy thinking it didn't think I was that crazy this year. I don't really think I'm that crazy thinking about it because their defensive line has improved significantly and their offensive scope. They have a feature running back. They have a three-down tight end who can do everything. They have multiple red zone threats. Matt Stafford seems in a really good place and a comfortable place. I don't know. I feel like this is just going to be a eight-win team. I will say this. If Detroit ends up being better than we think a lot of the predictions that I made personally would kind of change because the difference between that means Detroit's just not going to get Detroit's going to upset some teams this year. That's, that's Detroit's uh, role in this NFL season is to mix up the playoff picture and to upset teams that we think would win these games and not like, I think Detroit's going to be a fun team to take on. Let's say they're on the road and they're like, 
plus five and a half on the road somewhere. Um, I think I might take, uh, depending on who they play, obviously, but I think I might take a lot of the Lions on plus five and a half, plus six, plus eight type games because they have the talent to at least make it close. They're not going to go away. And let, we can't discount this. Matthew Stafford in the second half. Mm-hmm. It, it's the, the, I don't know why they should. Uh, maybe he needs the first half to warm up and then he's like, oh, okay, here we go. Maybe they're really good at second half adjustments. Maybe he's really good at second half adjustments. But Matthew Stafford in the second half is not to be slept on. Nope. So nothing, nothing like the backdoor cover by Matt Stafford. Nothing like it. Uh, their schedules, their schedule is interesting. Interesting schedule. They go at Arizona and then host the Chargers. They could be two and zero. Very yes. easily could be two and zero. Then they play at Philly, host the Chiefs, at the Packers, host the Vikings. So they could be two and zero to two and four. Very quickly. Then they get the Giants at home, and then the Raiders on the road. So they could be... 4-4. Four 4-4. And four. Four and four. At Chicago, host Dallas. 5-5. Five and five. I, I give them a split in that. If not, then they're 4-6. and six. Then they go at Washington, host the Bears. I could see two wins in that. I don't, we'll see how Chicago's defense travels. If not, 5-7, and 6-6. Seven, six and six. At Minnesota, host the Bucks. At Denver, host the Packers. That is a very tough schedule for a team last in their division. Their cross matchups, I believe, are... AFC, are you talking about like AFC West? Yeah, yeah, I'm talking about like the two games they get they get, they get switched with. They, they played the AFC West as a whole. It looks oh, like... It was the AFC, uh, NFC West? Yeah, Bucks and... Uh, Cardinals. Yes, yeah, South Bucks and Cardinals, and those are. Yeah, I don't know. I hope they. Looking at the schedule, it's it's a little more difficult to predict this team getting the nine wins. But if you if they make a positive aggression and their and their opponents make some aggression, we'll see. But I'm excited. I'm very excited about the Lions. I'm very excited about this division as a whole. There's a lot of questions. There's a lot of talent. There are three Super Bowl contenders in this. Honest to God, there are three Super Bowl contenders in this division and a very, very intriguing Detroit team who I'm going to be very excited about. So this is a fun division, man. It's a really fun one. Do you have any closing thoughts on the NFC North or the Packers-Bears game? No, just have fun watching Devontae Adams score touchdowns, have fun watching Aaron Rodgers in play action, and if you're a Bears fan, cross your fingers that Trubisky, he doesn't even have to do a lot, just don't turn the ball over. If Trubisky can just take care of the football, the Bears are going to win this game. Uh, Very quickly, because we talked about all four of them real quick, um, one more quick stat is that all four NFC North teams finished in the bottom one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Bottom eleven in terms of play action percentage. Detroit was twenty eighth or twenty ninth. Green Bay was twenty seventh. Minnesota twenty fifth. Chicago twenty second. There's going twenty first, twenty second. I don't know the backwards math right now. So expect this whole entire division to see a giant increase in play action, which could increase their offensive efficiency as a whole. But, yeah, exciting game tonight. Great offense. Go ahead. The, the over-under is 46.5. Um, what do you have as a score prediction for tonight? <sighs> Rodgers 20, scored 24 on one leg in the second half last year. At home. Yes, I think. I think that's. I think twenty-seven, twenty-four. Late Mason Crosby field goal. So that's that'll be the over. I'll take uh, twenty-four, eighteen, Packers. Twenty-four, fourteen. Twenty-four, eighteen, Packers. Oh, the eighteen. Love the randomness. All right. Well, Noah, thanks for hopping on again. Yeah, always. Uh, that's no humor. I'm Michael Duggar. We are the No Ordinary Pod team on the No Ordinary Pod and Radio St. Pete Network. That's going to do it for today's episode. Subscribe to us on Twitter. At Nor- follow us on Twitter, No Ordinary Pod. Subscribe to the podcast on Spotify, Apple Pod, 
SoundCloud, all that fun stuff. We're still working on some stuff, guys. I'm writing a giant worksheet for week one today. I'm spending my whole entire day and night doing it, and much of the game tonight as well. We'll have a pod for you tomorrow morning. Maybe not recap, maybe a very quick recap, but we're going to be running through college football, and then we're going to be running through seasonal predictions. I don't think we have to go too in-depth with the division predictions and wildcard predictions because we have pot load um a bunch of podcasts for that themselves nfc south probably take like 10 15 minutes but it's gonna be a longer but longer podcast which shouldn't be shouldn't mind you guys because it's a full football weekend with college and nfl slate so everyone have a good time and that's it for the notary pod on the radio st pete network